You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith, and today's guest is a black belt who owns DVG Jiu-Jitsu located in Halava, Hawaii. Ladies and gentlemen, Garrett Whitman. Hey, Lamar. Hey. Hello, hello. Fantastic, sir. How are you today? Super. Pumped. Man, that's good. As that's always. good. Any day you get to jiu-jitsu is a good day. I was like, you can sit down and talk or, you know, talk or train jujitsu is always, always a good day. That's right. All right. Well, you know, first and foremost, man, I would like to, uh, you know, thank you for taking time out to uh, do an episode with me today. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me on and uh, spreading the good word of jujitsu around the community. Yes, sir, man. So without further ado, if you want to formally introduce yourself again, uh, by all means, and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Garrett Whitman uh, from Cypress, California, uh, originally. Uh, grew up there, uh, started training when I was 18 in Costa Mesa under Professor Mike Tomaselli, mm-hmm. who is uh, a top black belt under Joe Marrera, Master Joe Marrera, and uh, met, spent my whole apprenticeship under Professor Mike and got the opportunity real early to teach a kid's class. Uh, he gave me the, the reins of the kid's program and, you know, I ran with it and got a lot of experience through that. I think when I was a purple belt or a brown belt, he started handing off a class here, a class there for the adult classes. Uh, so I've been teaching for going on 12 years, I would say now, even I, okay. I was barely a blue belt when I started teaching. So. Yeah. Man, that, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good. It's just such a lucky position to be in, you know, because there's mm-hmm. those little spots inside of an academy are very. There's very few of them, and you got to count yourself very lucky if you're picked or uh, by the professor as somebody who's one got that kind of gift for for teaching, and two uh, have the availability to be there yeah. for that class and be reliable. Uh, yeah, because the last thing he wants to do is is have to drop everything and come cover a class he thought he had covered. So, yeah, I uh, I moved to Hawaii in 2019. Uh, actually, it was 2020 uh, March. Uh, the pandemic had just started. I was just about and- to say that, like that's pandemic time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we flew on a flight. Me and my fiance at the time flew here her whole family is uh lives here um they've lived here for going on eight years i would say and so we flew here on a flight where it was just she and i and maybe five people uh behind us and you know we had double masks on you remember the n95s that were coveted you know we Mm -hmm. had we had that on we had like a bandana over it just to be safe you know everybody was real worried and you know but we got over here safe and sound and uh and set up shop here uh, my in-laws, my father-in-law and his wife and their four children were training at a, an academy in Kaneohe, which is about five miles from here, maybe six. And, uh, they were training, uh, you know, four days a week. And I just, uh, started teaching privates out of my backyard to, uh, him and his family and a few of his training partners and got to meet their instructor. Uh, Professor Brandon Gross, who 
has become my business partner. We, we decided to team up and last September we opened DVG Jiu Jitsu here in Halava. Nice. Yeah. And so there's two black belts in the house. And so we have, uh, we have a packed schedule and got a lot of people in the doors and things are going really well over here. Awesome. 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 So how did you, so how did you discover, oh, I, I usually say how you discover Jiu Jitsu, but how did Jiu Jitsu find you? that's what it always seems like it is like how it be yeah well uh i think for a lot of people my age i'm 34 i don't know how you are how old are you 36 no nope, oh, i'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah 36 yeah 36. yeah you got to double check these days we're not keeping <laughs> but <laughs> i i think we all found it very similar ways that early not early days but i'd say the middle ages of mma and you know chuck liddell uh, tito ortiz watching those fights you know me and my me and my father and my my uncle and my cousins and my brother would all watch the UFC uh anytime it was on back then it was mm-hmm. only like one show a month right yeah and so we yeah. would go over to their house we'd buy the pay-per-view we'd all watch Chuck Liddell knock somebody out with an overhand right over that and, wild overhand right yeah <laughs> oh, oh, that and and that got me you know kind of it sparked something uh about MMA and uh fighting and mm-hmm. uh you know, I, I've never been a, a tough guy, but when, uh, you know, I saw guys fight on the ground, it always seemed like, oh, this is where the, the smarter guys go down. And like, they got to be technical and smart and tactical and use every opportunity that's presented to themselves to finish this fight. And so I always mm-hmm. kind of, I, I identified as some sort of a ground fighter. Um, when I was 15, my neighbor, who is my oldest friend, uh, John Stats. He's a cousin of the Gracies. He's cousins uh, Henner and Hedon uh, mm-hmm. in Torrance. And okay. we didn't know much about jiu-jitsu. He trained a little bit with them, but we started pushing the furniture aside in his living room and rolling around, locking up triangles on the wrong side over on the shoulder <laughs> side and, you know, just going after it for hours on end. I remember the rug burns and they had this carpet that like shed all over you. Uh, wiping that carpet fuzz out of your eyes and yeah let's keep going uh and uh you know that just sparked it i i love training with him and uh but i was a competitive golfer uh through high school and and college and so in college i delivered tile to a jiu-jitsu academy that was set to open in a couple weeks um i walked in and there was a big burly guy probably 260 pounds uh, sparring with a 230 pound, uh, former Marine sniper and they were going at it. And this big guy, uh, at the time, Brown belt, Mike Tomaselli, uh, was just handling this enormous Jack dude. And mm-hmm. I was watching and just fascinated. And he, he talked me up, you know, as any smart, uh, jujitsu owner would do. And he convinced me to come back for the grand opening in a few days. And I did. And just basically never left. I started, you know, I took jobs that would allow me to get off work in time to come to the kids class and help out. Uh, Then refused to take any job for the next 10 or 11 years that wouldn't get let me off at three (laughs) o'clock. Oh, man, we are one in the same. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man, just just cutting the legs out from under myself career wise, just so that I could train, you know, but it's uh, it's paid off in the long run, I now get to do what I love. And uh, I get to spread jujitsu 
and try to instill that same love that I've always felt for it in uh, my students. Yeah, man, that I, that's that's so crazy how that works out, because I will be the type of person I you know, no matter what day I, I will go to work, no matter. And then yeah. once I started training and I started getting hooked, every job was like, I, I can't work Tuesdays and Thursdays. I cannot. <laughs> I refuse to work Tuesdays and Thursdays. I was like, I would tell them I would give up a weekend. I will work weekends and everyone, everybody's like, OK. You rather work a weekend versus having weekdays off? I say yes. Give me my Tuesday and Thursdays off, and we have no problems. So. What are you missing? Are you missing Saturday open mats, or what are you doing? Um, we wasn't we wasn't running um Saturday open mats just yet. When okay. I, when we start, no, actually we were. It's just that uh, the job that I had was like it was midnights, so I would get off of work at like eight in the morning, go home, rest for like an hour, and then go to training on Saturday oh Saturday mornings. But yeah, that's how addicted I was, you know, first starting out. Yeah. Like I have my schedule. I had to work around it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to make it forward in jujitsu, you kind of have to catch that bug. Otherwise it's a real slow trudge up that hill of getting tapped, getting tapped, getting tapped, tapping, getting tapped, getting tapped, getting tapped. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, What's uh, what lineage are you under again? I'm under uh, Zachary Holston, who's a black belt under Joe Moore. Oh, Moira. yeah. Absolutely, Zachary Holston. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's my guy. That's my that's guy. That's so cool. Yeah, we share the, the Marrera lineage. And so, my friend, you know how it goes. And, uh, you know, Joe Marrera's lineage is different than anybody else's. Uh, yeah. Joe being one of the first people in jiu-jitsu to really put his stuff on VHS and distribute it to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of lineage, regardless of uh, color, regardless of any any uh, you know uh, you know any dis- discriminating factor, he wanted everybody to have the same jujitsu. Where yeah. I, I don't know if you know the story of Sam Harris, or uh, I'm sorry, um, not Sam Harris. Uh, anyway, his first name will come to me. Uh, Professor mm-hmm. Harris uh, used to train under the Gracies. They were uh, pretty protective of their knowledge. They ended up kicking him out. He went to the Machados. They were pretty protective of their knowledge. They ended up kicking him out, and he found his way to Joe Marrera. And Joe Marrera said, my friend, you can train with me. And so it's uh, it's kind of like the way it is with Joe. Is everybody is his friend. Yeah, he he yeah. tries to get everybody inside his, uh, inside his family bubble, and he's very inclusive. I've always loved that about him. Yeah, love that guy. So since you've been, you know, a Joe Moore guy, I always ask this question to everybody. Like, how long did it take you to speak Joe? Oh, uh, well, I was really lucky. Uh, Mike Tomaselli's school, it was Joe Moore headquarters from 2015. Uh, That's right. Until, until today. And so yeah. I was yep. lucky enough to be, uh, once Joe uh, was tired of smashing Mike, I became his next favorite <laughs> dummy. Um, so I'd say I was about a purple belt at the time. And, you know, he would just, you know how he does, he demonstrates his smash pass and he'll just kind of sit there and he'll look around he'll at sit people. Sit there, yes. While he's talking yes. and sweating yes. in your eyes. And, and, you know, I just, I fell in love with him, man. I loved it. It felt like he was, uh, he was lifting me up and I got the opportunity. He would always invite me to come train. He had a small studio in Irvine, California mm-hmm. as well that he would teach out a couple days a week and do his privates there. 
but he was at Mike's Academy Mondays and Wednesdays without fail for years and years and years. And uh, I got the opportunity to learn Joe really, really quickly. Um, in fact, uh, we had him out here not long ago for a seminar and, you know, his English is, is progressing. It, it does get better and it, but there's still a lot of people who don't speak Joe. And so yeah. as he's teaching, I'm trying to find moments where I can kind of interject and, and, uh, almost <laughs> translate for people. And he looks at me while I'm doing it. He goes, why you do this? I speak <laughs> English. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I was just like, oh, you're right. Absolutely. Let me just quiet down and uh and, and go back to the background. But uh yeah, he's uh he's one of a kind and I just love him so much. He's he's given me so many opportunities uh through his black belts, uh Kami Sefdari, uh uh Ed uh, Ed Beneville, Pat Tassin, James Baran, all these black belts that he had in the Orange County area. Um, they gave me opportunities. I've trained a bunch with Cub Swanson. I've trained a bunch with all of their top guys. And mm -hmm. it's thanks to kind of, you know, just always being around Joe. And, yeah. uh, I was at, I was actually in Joe's corner with, uh, professor Mike for Joe's last competitive match against, uh, Adelson Salza, uh, oh, where he, wow. en he ended up breaking Adelson's ribs. Uh, mm -hmm. to end that match in a smash pass that he baited in a for smash a pass. And wow, and, you know, that was super inspiring for me to have two. I think they were both coral belts, uh, black mm -hmm. and black and red at the time. Uh, yeah. going at it out on the mats, and the whole the whole whole gym was just silent watching these two guys go at it. It was it was unlike any other match I've ever seen. Imagine like 10, 15 years ago having Hickson compete against. Jean Jacques or something like that. That's what it uh -huh. felt like for us. So it was just a, a magical moment that just inspired. That's awesome. And that's and that's the video that I show because my, my instructor showed me this video so many times when he like, you know, when he like was talking about Joe, you know, Joe's famous smash pass. He's like, Yeah, you know, Joe broker guys rib with this uh with this pass. And we like, really. He pulled the video up, and you know, I've I can't tell you how many times I watched that video, and to feel that smash pass from Joe is it's it's un, it's surreal, man. It's so surreal, and like you said, like he will be so in the moment where he'll get you in a smash and just stop and just start talking. I've been there the the last couple of times Joe has come to Detroit and did a seminar uh, when he worked smash pass. He was doing um. Uh, what was it? I think it was just a bulldog pass, and it was that. It was one of those, and he he went for it. And I think in the midst of him talking, a white belt asked him a question, and Joe just being Joe just stopped in the middle of the smash and got Absolutely. comfortable and started talking. So yeah. I've got these so I'm, for you. I, so I'm <laughs> under there like, all right, Joe, he's gonna stop talking in a minute. I'm just gonna hold out. He just kept going. I think I was like about two minutes in. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm under here. I'm under, I'm under here. <laughs> it's like getting it's like, oh, north south, okay. though, man. Nah, not yet. Not we got that one yet. Oh man, he's he's gone. Has he has he visited you lately and uh, spread his principles and his rules? Always, man. His principles. Yeah. 
my principles. principles and rules. Yeah. You know, his, his, uh, principles and his rules are, and I try to, uh, I, cause I have a lot of influence here on the Island, you know, Clark Gracie makes a lot of appearances here. We actually have a Clark Gracie seminar coming up on Sunday. Um, awesome. but you know, he's a super young, like he's about our age. Uh, he's strong. He's flat as Joe would say, he flexy. And, uh, so he's, a, he's capable of a lot of the things that you and I are, but Joe mm-hmm. being 60 or, or in the neighborhood of 60, uh, Joe is no longer, uh, going for wild, crazy stuff yet. His jujitsu still works. And it's because he kind of, he throws out all the junk that is body flexibility, strength dependent. And he just uses the things that work structurally and for him at the age that he is. And, you know, he, he emphasizes this, the way you're going to do for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and once I'm his age, you know, I, I see myself rolling a lot more like Joe than, than like me. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of trying to cherish the moments that I have now where I can do the flexi stuff. And, and I'm looking ahead to see what I'm going to have to do in 20, 30 years. Oh yeah. Cause like, um, I, I don't think I've told this story before, but, um, we were, this is my, my instructor was getting his black belt and I had the honor to be, you know, be a part of his test. And this was like, I was, um, two stripe white belt when the first time I met, when I first, you know, met Joe. So that was like, you know, a big culture shock too, because like you, you heard the name and then it's like, you not only get to meet this guy, he's, fa- you know, he's family, you know? So, um, so we know he's going over like, you know, principles and rules and stuff like that. And it's just was so amazing to hear, like every time Joe comes out, everything sounds, you know, everything is the same principles, rules, principles, rules, principle rules. And no matter how many times he explains this stuff, it's always something new. It's always evolving. Like, you know, one time he came over and he was talking about, you know, the back roll snake. And then next thing you know, like, you know, a little while later, we get the Macaco Bolo snake. And they're like, oh, what's the Macaco Bolo snake? And we're and then we were watching it, and it's like, it's still the back roll. It's just a small variation of the back row. And he's like, yeah, I'm not flipping all the way over anymore. So we're just going to make an adjustment. And boom, there you go. Yep. So I was like, even in the 60s, or yeah, I think he's like 62, I think, or somewhere that in there. That sounds right. But, it's like, sounds right. but like, even at this, you know, at his age, he's still training hard. He's constantly evolving. Like I get tagged on, you know, stuff on Instagram and stuff where he'll send me like, you know, little snippets of everything he's doing. I'm like, dude that's that's goals right there to be able to do everything that you're doing moving like you're moving at 60 some years old yeah he's still, he's still training with marco he's still doing all these things that man i've eaten a few leg kicks from marco over the years and i will tell you at 62 i'd find it hard to get out of bed to go <laughs> that guy can you're hit. crazy man yeah crazy. yeah they're just super motivated and and to see somebody like be able to Cause I see a lot of people and by the time they're in their forties, they're looking ahead to retirement in most, mm-hmm. most careers that people do. But when it comes to jujitsu, the, the juice just gets sweeter, you know? And it yeah. seems like he's more motivated than ever to, you know, I'm going to Poland. Like he just got back from Poland. Yeah. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to, uh, 
to California to get my second degree on my black belt in a couple of weeks. And oh, congratulations. Thank you. And, 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 you know, he's going to be there and I'm going to have a chance to see him. And last time he was here, I got to roll with him and, you know, just still having that uh, presence in my life is, is something that I hope to be able to pass on to my students and, and the people who I influence uh, when I'm 60, I want them to be as grateful for me as I am for master Joe. And so definitely it's, it's, it's something I look at it from so different, so many different perspectives, you know, just cause he's, mm-hmm. he's such a dynamic human, you know, he's, he's gone, he's gone through a full life. He's moved from, from halfway across the world. You know, he's had families and, you know, he's got, he's got kids who are junior. I love junior. I love Priscilla. Like his, his kids are just like, they've been, the whole, the whole package of Joe is just such a, 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 a perspective shifter for me yeah. as a, as a jujitsu instructor. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's definitely, he's definitely the one you, you know, you want to model after. Yeah. And, you know, I, like I said, I idolize a guy, um, you know, we, every, every Joe guy comes on, we, you know, that comes on the show, that's all we talk about is, uh, you know, master Joe. And like you said, just to be able to, um, you know, just soak up all that knowledge he gives and just be like, yeah, this is, this is how I want to be doing jujitsu once I'm in my sixties. I like, I don't want to stop. Like, I feel that now, like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'll be, you know, hopefully testing for black belt next year. And I'm thinking like, okay, what's next? Congratulations. This, like this, this, thank you. Like this is the only, the only the beginning, as they say, like, you know, you, that's when jujitsu starts when you hit your black belt. Yeah. I like to tell my students, like as you progress, <laughs> yes, you get more of a bird's eye view and you can see more of what you're, what can happen in jujitsu, but you're also, mm-hmm. you're so much more aware of your, where you lack. And, yeah. and things that you don't do well yet because mm-hmm. you have that heightened uh, awareness, that heightened experience. You, you're just so much more aware of your shortcomings. So, yeah. you know, my, my professor, Mike uh, Tomaselli, he does uh, eight. I mean, I, I think my black belt test took 10 or 11 hours. And, Ooh. you know, it's a, it's a, a 10 page front front and back uh full of positions techniques sweeps everything you've got to demonstrate and for yeah. me being an instructor i had to teach it um to a level that he would be satisfied with mm-hmm. and you know joe does something very similar for his guys that he promotes oh yeah with. and so i don't i don't know does uh professor holston do the same thing yeah yeah and everything so you know, everything that Everything Joe does, like testing wise, from like you know, as many techniques, rules, principles, different positions. That's that's our test. Yeah, and you know that's opening a business and uh, and seeing the you know you want it to be a successful business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, uh, my professor, he would he was much more focused in the purity of jujitsu, um, mm-hmm. of being like, okay, you're you're gonna have to be a hard dude, and you're gonna take your lumps but you better keep showing up and I'll keep investing in you as long as you keep showing up. Right. Um, but there's not much handholding uh, in mm-hmm. the Joe Marrera lineage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, opening a school here, especially in uh, Hawaii, where, you know, not everybody is 
uh, a super athlete, you know, not everybody. Jiu-Jitsu is a very big part of this community, but they have the same problems on the mainland of, you know, there's a 98% or a 90% uh, attrition rate through white belt where you only maybe get one out of 10 people are going to make it to blue belt. And I would mm -hmm. say that's the case uh, at most academies around the world. And so our goal when we opened this academy was to have that flipped on its head and yeah. to have it be 90% of the people who start jujitsu, they get their blue belt um, mm -hmm. at the very least, uh, not just from a business perspective, but from a self-defense, uh, a life uh, perspective, we want to make sure that people get the most out of jujitsu that we can offer. And so, yeah. you know, we've concentrated very hard. My, my business partner, Professor <clears throat> Brandon Gross, he's, he's worked his butt off creating an intro to jujitsu program that is pretty comprehensive. It teaches them all the, all the positions, teaches them the basic submissions, teaches them all the transitions between those positions and some very common situations that happen. So once these folks make it through that program, they graduate up into our, our complete schedule. They can, they can attend our, all of our classes. And it's not like you and I had it where our first day we just got smashed. I don't know about you, but I got smashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know what was happening. You know, you mm -hmm. don't even, you, you're like, what was that? You'll ask people. Whereas our guys, by the time they start rolling, they're like, oh, was that the Kimura? And that was from side mount, right? Okay, what did I do wrong? They're able to, to take their failure, right? At the beginning of rolling, uh, they're able to take that failure and do something constructive with it. Instead mm -hmm. of taking six months, maybe even a year to even catch on to what's happening to them. Uh, yeah. because we do some handholding in those first six weeks and it really does make a huge difference in the quality of jiu-jitsu fighter that we have in our academy uh we've got yeah. some gnarly three-stripe white belts we've only been open eight months uh and all of our guys who i would say the highest ranking person we started from zero is three-stripe white belt now uh mm -hmm. and those guys are good man you know i have to i have to tire them out before I'm able to uh, hit easy submissions. There are no easy yeah. submissions until I tire them out. Whereas mm -hmm. most people at most schools, you know, eight months in, I'm still catching easy submissions on those people just because they don't know what positions they're in danger in, what yeah. arm positions are, are stupid to put your arm there, you know? And so we've, we've just seen a, a rocket launch of success in our new, in our new students and uh, a lot of, um, experienced jujitsu players are attracted to the kind of theory that we have going here too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's um, like with our school, we're a small school. Um, we, we always get wrestlers, like yep. <laughs> extremely strong wrestlers. So it's like, you know, just as, as time goes on, you know, it's like I'm getting older and everyone who comes in that wrestles are getting younger and younger so it's just like oh my goodness but yeah like you said just like even like our white belts now uh compared to like when i started are just mountains and like leaps and bounds beyond where i was as a white belt it's this point like like you said to the point where it's like yeah i'm not I, i'm not catching anything easy it's like I, I gotta work for this stuff 
Yeah. Because we it also we got one. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We got we got one guy in particular, uh, a white belt, um, strong guy. You know, a lot of heart, and he just goes, yep. and he just goes, just straight out this boom, straight out the gate. It's like, all right, we're doing this. It's no, it's no warning. It's like stop, bump, let's go, and he just goes, and it's like, all right, we're gonna be here for a while. How experienced is he? Um, I think. He is a three, yeah. He's a three-stripe white belt now. So he's not wrestling anymore. He's doing jujitsu. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think if he even wrestled. He just got it for some reason, you know. That's he that's, just a, got that's it. amazing. Yeah, that's rare. Yeah, like uh, once he gets that, you know, he's one of those, you know, one of those guys. Like you know, he has a potential. Once he gets like the fine toning and like you know, fine toning and stuff, he'll he'll be he'll be good. You'd definitely be good. I think there's a big difference between people who just started off wrestling. Like they, they come in the doors and they're a wrestler. They're trying to still accomplish things in the roles that are wrestling goal related. They're mm-hmm. trying to not allow you to get control of their limbs. They're trying mm-hmm. to pin you to the ground. They're trying to have control of you. Um, I'm not really impressed by that as much. I want to see somebody try jujitsu stuff. I want to see them go for things because once they mm-hmm. start going for things, I know all the counters and you know, right. all the counters. And so mm-hmm. if they're not going for anything, if they're just playing this denial game, kind of like remember Brendan Schaub versus, uh, versus cyborg, right? Yeah. If you, if you're just playing this denial game, yeah, you look really good. And this guy can't do anything to me. It's like, yeah, but you're not doing anything to him either. I was going to say like, yeah, he's not doing anything, but you're not doing anything either. That's right. You're not giving him the openings that he can very easily take advantage of. So mm-hmm. I'm impressed by somebody who's willing to go for things, even though they have a background. We've got a few guys like that here who have a background in wrestling who start from their butt. They sit on their butt, they'll slap bump, and they'll put their hands up in that seated guard and mm-hmm. they're playing. And yeah, they are wrestling up. They are just coming on top right away <laughs> a lot of the time. But at least they're starting on bottom and they're and they're playing jujitsu and they're going for things. But I have mm-hmm. conversations with those guys. I'm like, hey, man, yeah, you're doing great. I'm really proud of you. Um, I'm sure you're enjoying not getting tapped. But by not getting tapped, you're also not learning everything that you should yeah. be learning. So mm-hmm. giving people uh, a vulnerable moment by going for something you're not 100 percent sure about is what's going to allow that growth for those guys. And. You know, the, the sooner we can get them on track for for taking some risks, for doing something outside their comfort zone, the faster they're going to shoot through the roof. Like I'm sure that three stripe white belt has uh, has he's he's willing to try stuff. Right. He's willing to go yeah. for stuff. And yeah. that's why he's progressing, because he's yeah. not playing that weird conservative <clears throat> wrestling game. Yep. And it's like that's and that's the message that we try to, you know, related people like, you know, jujitsu is one of those things like you get out what you put in. Like if you you know if you're showing up but but uh, you know busting your hump, you're going to progress. But if you just sit on the sidelines, you know, half-assing in class, and you're wondering why I, this new kid just you know blew right past you, you know what can you do? If you're not training yeah. hard, if you're not training going out to get it, you're not going to gain nothing from it. Man, when I was a blue belt, purple belt, I would get up early in the morning. I'd go for a run. I'd and now thinking back, I'm like, man, I'm not running. I don't want to lose all this muscle I've gained. 
<laughs> but back then it was like, I just need to work. You know, I know there yeah. are people working harder than me and I don't even know what the right work is to do, but I need to work harder. And yeah. so, you know, until I was a brown or, or a black belt and I started feeling like I had uh, some jujitsu uh, ability, then I started lifting weights and adding some strength to my game. And that's when things started really taking off for me. Um, because I was always undersized. I was always about 160 pounds, 170 pounds. Um, but you know, started lifting, lifting some weights, added 20 pounds of muscle in you know, five years or so. And felt now, now this is jujitsu. Now I'm kind of a dangerous yeah. uh, player, you know, but mm -hmm. before I was kind of very reliant on tactics and positioning. Now I could kind of, I almost feel like I can get away with some sloppiness because of that added strength. And so, you know, maybe who knows, maybe in the next few years, I'll slim back down just to make myself better again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird, man, because, you know, just, you know, just like, you know, just sitting here thinking about like the progression from like white to blue, blue to purple, purple to brown. And, you know, I because I, I work with my instructor and we always talking and then like after after my brown belt test, you know, I come to work, I'm like limping. <laughs> And he's like, oh, what's wrong with you? He's like, I'm like, you know. He's like, oh, you must have must have had a test or something. And I'm like, you know, something like that. But but we always talk about that. Like now, you know, I I, I work out so much. I'm like at the gym, you know, two, like, you know, three, three, four days out the week, two times a day. I'm training three, you know, three, four days a week. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And he's like, oh, you getting ready for your black belt. Like, you getting your black belt body together. And yeah. I'm like, all right, that's, that's one way to look at it. Because I, I never I never thought about it like that. I'm like, oh, I just like doing jujitsu and, and I'm getting in shape. He's like, no, nah, you literally getting ready for your black belt body. Yeah. Because you know yeah. what, you know, you know what's about to happen and you know what's coming up. You know what comes after that. So you're just preparing yourself. I'm like, well, I guess I am now. So. With great power comes great responsibility. Yes, sir. And, you know, we have a responsibility as the experienced guys in the academies to make sure that uh, we represent jujitsu in a way that can kind of silence the doubters. It can confirm mm -hmm. the beliefs of those inspired by us. And it can, it can, you know, defend jujitsu from yeah. the, the challengers who will continue to walk through the doors and they're, they're not stopping. It's one, it's unbelievable, especially living on in Hawaii where you have so many military guys. Uh, these are war fighters. You know, we have, luckily I'm, I look military, I'm not military, but my, uh, my business partner is a local guy. And so mm -hmm. he, he appeals to the local, local people, but he also is such a genuine friendly guy that he kind of, Bus, he breaks the stereotype for the military folks who are here that think all the local people hate him. And, mm, okay. and, and I break the stereotype for all the local people who think that everybody who's a transplant is a real jerk. And I feel like there's a, there's a great balance that we've achieved here. Uh, but going back to the, to the war fighters is these guys come in here doing their uh, army combatives, their marine uh, fighting styles. And, you know, they want to come in and they, they want to learn jujitsu, but really they're, they're here to test themselves and yeah. to, see, to see if they're able to, uh, 
to our, am I, am I tough guy, you know? And I think it's our responsibility being these higher belts to, to show them, Hey, there's something worth learning here. You know, mm -hmm. we, and some of them, the only way to, to convince them of that is tapping them. Yeah. Several times. <laughs> Several times. And we have a uh, we have a new guy. He's uh he's about our age. He's he's done a lot of wrestling and he's been in the army. So he does, you know, you know, army combative. And me and him rode like when he me and him rode. And then I'm just kind of like just filling him out. And he's very, very aggressive, very, very strong. And you know, I mean he called me an arm uh Americana. So I was like, oh, okay. So mm -hmm. let's, let's, let, I'm like, okay, so I got to turn up just a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, we're playing, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know, just being a little lazy about it and he's working, he's working, he's transitioning, trying to keep pin me down and pass guard and everything. I'm just recomposing and we're going. And I think he had me in bottom side and all I heard was, <sighs> That's what you want to hear. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, somebody getting tired. He's like, no. And I was like, okay, now it's time to eat. It's time to end the fight. So quick little sweep to cruise. I, I think, um, yeah, circle snake out. He went to turtle and rolled to a crucifix and ended with a, like a modified uh, katajime from crucifix. So, but yeah, he was just like, so surprised i was like yeah man he's like man you you know we was moving and you and like he's like pouring down sweat and i'm just chilling yeah. i'm like i'm cool i can go again he's like man i'm like because you using all this energy you just want to just do this yeah. you know so it's like once i felt that your your body shift your energy started to drain and you took that big gasp of air i was like yeah it's, it's time to kill now <laughs> yeah i like i like doing that uh from time to time, but you know, now that I'm a black belt, you know, you can, you have a little bit of a responsibility to not smash kind of like you were saying, you were letting him work and you were mm -hmm. keeping yourself safe. And that's why you weren't tired is because you knew mm -hmm. in areas where he didn't know whether he had to go hard to hold on to you. You were like, eh, he might have side mount here, but I'm pretty safe. You know, I got my frames yeah. in. I'm okay. Um, I'm okay. But my favorite thing to do is to, as soon as the bell rings, they, you can feel their, their body kind of relax and you go, oh, no, 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 keep going. <laughs> and, and they realize that I'm in, I'm the clock, you know, uh -huh. that beep doesn't end the round. I'm going to tell you when right. the round's over. And so sometimes I'll just make somebody go like three rounds with me and just let them, let them quit, you know, let them say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Oh yeah. That's so because, fun. And, and it's just, it just lets them know, you know, and, and it gives you an opportunity if by creating that situation, it gives you the opportunity to describe exactly what you described, which is, mm -hmm. Hey man, you were going really hard. Cause you didn't know where you had to go hard, but yeah. I wasn't going as hard. Cause I know where I need to go hard and where I don't. And you need to, you know, put your head down, study, focus on when we're teaching, when somebody's teaching, listen hard, learn watch the more experienced guys roll see when they're working hard and when they're able to relax and and that's how they're gonna they reach the next level and you're gonna create an army of of just monsters over there yeah and i mean because i've i've learned that from my instructor uh when i because when i started you know training and I, I really got the rolling and you know we would roll and i'm just trying everything i can and he's just chilling 
humming. He might say something, you know, say something crazy or he'll hum a tune or start singing or he'll start talking to other people in the classroom. And it would be so frustrating. Yeah. It's like, dude, I'm trying to kill you. And you have a conversation with everybody else right now. Yeah. <laughs> but as you know, as time goes on, you know, he was, you know, he started teaching me that, like, you know, just you gotta relax, you gotta breathe, you know, you gotta learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Once you can get to that point, everything else just kind of falls into place. So, like, I think this was like mid-blue, all like you know, half a purple, you know, to purple, where I was like, okay, let me let me put this into theory, you know. And mm. that's how it became. Like, you know, I would chill, I would start seeing, I'm like, okay, let me see if I can get away with talking to somebody else. Or let me see if I get away with just, you know, just humming a song. But now I'm, I'll be in the middle of a role teaching other people across the room. That's right. Yeah. You know, I'll be rolling. I'll be like, I'll, I'll be in bottom side. I'll be peeking out like, hey, fix your bases over there. And just go back to fighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can totally relate to that. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny, man. Yeah, it's so funny. People. It's like, hey, how are you keeping track of what's happening in their role and you're still beating me up over here? You know, it's, a, it's right. pretty mind boggling. Well, I, I did a lot of uh, weapons training uh, at Thomas mm-hmm. Ellis School. Uh, we had this stud there named Kenny Smith and he loves weapons. He loves guns and knives. And we, uh, Mike bought all of the blue guns and blue knives inspired by him and started tucking them in our waistbands and and adding that as a layer of the training and you know so now you're just super sensitive to where people's hands are and what where they're reaching and oh his hands getting really close to his waistband uh gotta mm-hmm. pin it down but yeah just just having that extra awareness the higher up you get allows you mm-hmm. to allows you you have more bandwidth to work with so you can kind of pay attention yeah. to what's going on around you you're like, oh man, who who thumbs up this song? You know, who did? This is my playlist. Who who put this song in my playlist? I know, you know, right? It's great. Yeah, because that's because we, you know, one thing that we we always uh, kind of go back and touch on every every now and then. Like he will have like two people just roll. Like you know what, you two in the middle just roll, and he'll just go for like just like a quick little minute. He's like, all right, that's all what you do. Start again. And close your eyes. Close your eyes and roll. And so we have those like, you know, random classes where we'll roll blindfolded or, you know, like I said, we just sit there and close our eyes. And it's just like amazing to see like they're like they're just how they like so much stuff opens up more because you're not focusing on what you're seeing. And I'm like, that's how we're able to do that. That's how me and, you know, our instructor in the upper other uh, other uh, brown belt, we're able to do that because mm-hmm. we, we we've been here before. Like we know, like I can, I don't have to look at you to know, like okay, you about to lift your, like you know, you about to lift your knee, or your arm, tw- uh, you know, tensed up because you're trying to, you know, pass or trying to get an underhook. Like I can feel all that. Like I don't yeah. need my eyes to do jujitsu. Right. So, like once you start to understand that, that's when, like you know, everything just goes like, whoa. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We don't. I've never done blindfolded. <clears throat> I close my eyes a lot. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to have uh, everybody roll with two tennis balls. Golden yeah, two tennis. we do that too. We do that too. Yeah, and I got I got that from from Mike Tomaselli, and it just it one it gasses out all the guys who are strength dominant because uh, yep. they can't hang on. 
And so yep. everything gets mo movement gets added in in areas where they'd normally be able to park it and take a rest. Mm -hmm. And and once you let go of those balls and once you put them off to the side, then the game seems like it just opens up. It's like working in a tiny little section of it. And then you take the balls out and you just go, okay, now Kimura's are back. Now my wrist control is back. I got that Dagestani handcuff again. You guys can't stop me now. But if there's, uh, if there's grips allowed from the jump all the time, some people get dependent on those grips. Same thing with yeah. sight, you know? If you, if you get mm -hmm. dependent on, on what you see instead of like where his weight shifts, yeah, you're going to miss. You're going to be late to, to doing whatever you need to do. For sure. Yeah, we definitely we definitely done the tennis ball drills. You know, it's like he'll like what he'll do is like he'll have like the uh, like the lower belts have one tennis ball, so they'll obviously have a free hand. Us would have two. So like, come on, man. <laughs> He's like, nah, you upper belts, y'all, y'all be fine. Y'all take the two, they'll take the one, and then you know you guys roll. But yeah, because like it gets you out of that that mindset of trying to just like you know just hold on so tight to your opponent. And all you're doing is just pulling in everything. So by the time the round's over, your arms are spent, your fingers are hurting. Cause you're just like, you know, you're just tight like this, like for like four or five minutes. Yeah. So you know the feeling like, after yeah, a competition, after a competition gi round where your uh, fingers have been holding on to a to a grip, just right up here. Oh yeah, I was it all in there, just uh oh. your forearm looks like your like your calf. <laughs> Giant, <laughs> veiny. You know, I need a banana. All right, for sure, man. But it's yeah, that's that's exactly the same thing we do, man. So yeah, using know that using that. different different ways. It's so hard to open people's eyes to to what they need to be focused on and trying different things and having them start like situational sparring, having them just start from a position. Like we do, we have our intro program. We've got our fundamentals class and we've got our mixed level classes. So in the mm -hmm. intro program, there's no rolling. It's all instruction and details and learning the transitions, positions, and uh, most common submissions. Once they get up to the fundamentals program, that is our blue belt curriculum. That's all the techniques that I and both myself and Professor Brandon believe a blue belt needs to have in order to deserve it. Um, mm -hmm. And so at the end of that class, we're introducing those folks who aren't comfortable going up to the mixed level where all the sparring is we give them king of the hill where or king of the mat where you know for example yesterday I, I was teaching north south escapes and so i taught i taught three escapes and at the end of class i said okay you on top north south you on bottom north south person on bottom your job is to escape either back to side mount uh bottom guard uh stand up whatever it is you want to do to get out of north south person on top if you're able to hold them down you get to stay in if mm -hmm. if you're the person on bottom and you get out now you're on top and mm -hmm. in five minutes because those rounds are only 30 seconds long and in five minutes everybody in the room just <sighs> dumping yeah it's a 30 Sucking second air. 30 seconds at 100 percent, not 100 percent, but at like a good 80 percent. go, go time yeah yeah as long, and it, it they're able to do it without getting hurt because you're not going for submissions uh, yeah. Right. It's not a submission mm -hmm. class. Sometimes we'll have a submission style class, but um, it just it gives people that that um, you can kind of describe it as swimming. You know, the intro class is like walking somebody down the steps into a pool. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the fundamentals class is kind of teaching them how to tread water a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the advanced or mixed level classes are, are where you teach people how to swim hard. And maybe even you take them out in the ocean and they, uh, they see if they can stay afloat out there. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to ask everybody like most jujitsu schools to just get in the ocean. Hey, let's see how you do, you know? Right. Cause if that panic hits, you know, three weeks of panic without any real like basic instruction, you got a class full of you guys, uh, Lamar, like brown belts and purple belts and blue belts. And you guys are hungry for flying omoplatas and stuff. <laughs> and, and the, the new guys like, Hey, what was that snake thing again? All right, what was that movement thing on the ground again? (laughs) Please. Right. But he's just getting smashed. It's really hard to avoid those guys uh, getting discouraged. And so, you know, just trying to cater to everybody based on their experience level is what allows us to to have a higher percentage. Like we have a super low uh, dropout rate. And I, I attribute that to people having the option. Hey, if you don't feel like you're ready to come to the mixed level classes and spar with me and Professor Brandon and Coach Mike and Coach Marco, then feel free to stay in the fundamentals class or or drop in for an intro class. You know, don't feel mm-hmm. like you have to be bumped up right away. And right. You know, that allows us to to get more people to the level that we want to get people to uh, instead of just like, hey, hopefully we got a tough guy with this one and he'll be able to make it. You know, that's yeah. a that's a hard way to run a business. That's a hard way to teach people jujitsu. So yeah, definitely. Because you want yeah, because you want everybody who's trying this out to feel comfortable. You know, you don't want them to feel like you know their first couple classes they have to get out there and swim with the fit. You know, uh, swim with the sharks. You know, because that's very discouraging. Because like I don't know what I'm doing. You want me to go roll with you know two or three people? I can barely you know move on the ground. You want me to roll? Bobby Blue Belt oh. just tapped me six times and I don't even know what <laughs> he did. With and the no, same move. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I guess I'll be back tomorrow. But how how right. long can they do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And it's hard to cater yeah. to everybody with high-level guys like yourself. And and I'm sure you've got some lower-level guys like that three-stripe uh, white belt who probably needs more escapes or more transition work or something like that. It's hard to satisfy everybody, so – yeah, because we were we were literally just um I had taught a class yesterday and um I was we I was talking to my wife about this because she she started training like a little bit after I did, but like COVID happened and then in the midst of all that, you know, we had our second child, so she was off the mats for a while. So she's like back full time now. And we didn't have this many white belts in a very, very long time. So it's like when you know it was maybe one, I think like one, one or two white belts for a minute. Now we got like five. So it was like, we're not used to having the fundamentals class. We're used to everyone at least being a blue belt or the one white belt who's just tough as shit, you know, rolling with us. So we're like, okay, boom, we're just doing all straight techniques. So now that we got like more white belts, um, you know, we decided, well, I decided to kind of like to put a class together. We haven't decided a date just yet because we're trying to figure out what day that work for everybody. Where, like you said, it's just strictly fundamentals. Like no rolling. We're just going to be working snakes, positions, terminology, the basics, the, the kindergarten stuff of jujitsu that you should be knowing, that you should know as a white belt. 
and that's how you that's how you get those guys to uh, join your club. Join the, mm-hmm. by by your club, I mean join the club of the higher belts where they're able to get out of training what you guys are getting out of training, instead mm-hmm. of them trying to you know wade through this forest of advanced techniques looking for like how do I get out of side mount, you know? Right. And and so having that class, and I would suggest giving it like a giving it like a revolving uh, period where you teach the same stuff for uh you teach a set thing for class one two three four five uh up to class like 15 20 and then it starts over and you go back to class one and you teach that class one again that allows Mm -hmm. people who join your club to jump in at any point and they can still make sure they get all of that material that you deem super important for those new Mm -hmm. people instead of like oh man too bad you didn't join last week. We just did side mount escapes. You can say, hey, we're going back to side mount escapes in four weeks. Stick it out. You're going to get everything else. And then four weeks from now, we can uh, we can go deep dive on side mount escapes. Uh, right. But, but it's hard. It's hard to do it if, if you just show up to the academy and you're like, what do I want to teach today? You know, which yeah. is a lot of what, what I've done in the past. Now it's like, okay. yeah. <laughs> Now, now I got to be like, all right, I went, I've been doing north-south a lot. Now people are starting to get out of north-south effectively, but they're all ended up in side mount with their knee shields in. Okay, let's talk mm-hmm. about things that you can do once you have your knee shield in and your hand frames on them and uh, lines lines two and three on them, and then you can get mm-hmm. back to some sort of an attack. But, you know, having some sort of structure is so hard to get in jiu-jitsu because it's such a big, complicated game. Yeah. Yeah, because every because it's like you know everyone is at a different level. Like there's no two white belts are the same. So it's like you know you're trying to break down how to properly do a you know um, elbow knee escape, mm-hmm. and these you know they're like okay, well I'm, what am I doing wrong? And it's like okay, well you are doing this wrong, and this person is doing that wrong. But you're trying to like trying to figure out how to universally teach it. So it's like all right, we need a fundamentals class. But when you we need it, extreme fundamentals. When you teach it, three, four rotations, right? Like I said, like have a set amount of classes and then restart. You will mm-hmm. have them in your notes. You'll say, okay, last time I was in there, so-and-so kept putting his elbow on the mat when he shouldn't. He kept forgetting to do this. He did he he wasn't getting his head away as soon as he got his knee shield in. And mm-hmm. he kept getting the guy kept get, like reverse cross facing him and locking him back in. And so yeah. for the next time you teach that, you're like, hey, guys, here's some common mistakes people make when they're doing this. And right. that first round, you're not going to have those common mistakes. It's going to be kind of like a rough structure and you're going to be looking for those things. But by the second or third time, you're like, hey, man, I remember what everybody's mistakes were from last time I taught this. I'm going to make sure as I'm teaching, I'm like, hey, here's a few mistakes most people make here. Right. And, and it yeah, seems like to that cut it off at the pass. You don't, you don't let them get to that mistake before they are aware of it. And then you go, Hey, remember what I said about, uh, letting them get that reverse cross face. You're doing it. You got to get your head away. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm at the, yeah. That, that sounds like something I would definitely do. It sounds can't go wrong. It's foolproof. Yeah. I never used to make notes, um, at, at, uh, professor Mike Tomaselli's. I it's, it's, uh, his style is so precise. He's such a great teacher that I felt like I could absorb the techniques 
and just mm -hmm. embody them and they'd be part of me and then I'd move on. And at the time I, I could, but now when I'm responsible for so many other people and their, their comprehension of it, I need to be a little bit more detail oriented and, and be like, make sure, you know, this is, once you do this, then you can do that, you know? Yeah. In, instead of like, here are the four things that need to happen. You're like in this order so that they work mm -hmm. the best for you guys. Um, but yeah, I think notes, notes are really important. Uh, there's something called the jujitsu journal. Uh, you can buy it. My wife, my wife got me. Yeah. My wife got that for me for Christmas. I mean, no, I'm sorry, not Christmas for my birthday. Oh, it's so, good, man. It's good. Yeah. yeah I was I like, where it. was this at six years ago? <laughs> <laughs> where was a lot of this stuff six years ago? I know, yeah. right? Like, where was this six years ago? Yeah. I remember, uh, I was a blue belt or a purple belt, 2000, you know, 2010, 2013. And you know, we still weren't doing leg locks with anybody below purple belt level. And nowadays, wow. can you imagine a school being like, oh, you got to be a purple belt before we teach you leg locks. And then they go online, they're watching fight to win. Everybody's getting submitted with heel hooks and, and dog bars mm -hmm. and, and all this nonsense. And, you know, they come back and they'd be like, hey, why aren't you guys teaching us leg locks? It seems to be everything that's working right now. And so, you know, you got to evolve with the times. And so th the game is changing and we have to with it. Got to, man. You got to, you got to evolve, man. You'll be stuck, stuck, you know, stuck in the past. Yeah. So you have, you have plans to open your own school or are you, are you happy to, to stay with uh, Professor Holston? Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of been up in the air and, um, you know, I, I, I love the idea of opening my own school. You know, obviously it's going to be, you know, what we do now. Um, and we, me and him talked about it so many times and he's been like, cool with either, I, you know, either idea. He's like, you know, if you want to, you know, open your own school, I, you know, you got my support, you know, I'm helping you any way I can. If you want to stay here and teach, you know, you can. So it's kind of one of the things, like I said, it's in the back of my mind, but I haven't gave it a lot of, a lot of thought yet. Yeah. So, well, it yeah, can be, I, it, I love the idea though. It can be a source of, of great pride. It can support your family. Uh, the, the biggest thing that I think we did that made it more of a support your family thing is advertise and make sure mm -hmm. that you, in those first six months, you got to spend, what was it? About a thousand bucks a month on advertising just to make yeah. sure that the people in your area know that, Hey, we're a jujitsu school. We specialize in getting people started. Come by and check us out. We guarantee you'll enjoy it. And you know, just, just by advertising, it's been, you know, it's grown to, we have, we're a huge school. We're, I would say we're, I would say that humbly, I would say we're the third largest school in Hawaii now in eight months. Wow. I was uh, going to say it's such a, such a short time. That's amazing. With, with one school, with one school, there are mm -hmm. some schools here who have three affiliate academies but mm -hmm. any one school, I would say we're the third largest school. And, wow. you know, I would say we have somewhere in the range of 250 white belts. Wow. And so having that many white belts is a result of us focusing on people starting and, yeah. and being willing to, to show them all the details that we wish we had been shown front and center 
when we started. Oh man, in, in I know, right? <laughs> man, there was this guy at, at Tomaselli's name, uh, Christopher Schalmer. He's a great guy. His uh, nickname is the Buffalo. And this is the this is the 230 pound Marine who uh, Mike was sparring with on the day I dropped off the tile. And oh, uh, wow, you know, I just got my butt handed by that guy uh, for like, I want to say 10, 11 years before I started, you know, having a moment here, or there surviving the whole round, uh, uh-huh. you know, giving him making him panic when I go for something. Uh, but you know, if maybe if I had been handed, you know, the white belt blueprint, you could almost say, um, you could, you could see how somebody could get ahead sooner in in terms of survival instead of just, you know, having to learn from their death over like Kenny in South Park, you know, you just episode, you know, every episode, (laughs) man, it's like, dang it, man, (laughs) I keep getting caught. Every time, definitely. But man, so, well, you know, you, you've, you've mentioned a lot of, you know, big names uh, that you've trained with, but uh, I usually ask this to everybody who's on the, uh, who's been a guest on the show, uh, your top three people you would love to roll with. Ooh, that's a great question because we now having this academy, we have the opportunity to bring in people for seminars and we live in a destination state. And so most of these are going to end up being people that I get the chance to roll with. Uh, I've had the opportunity to roll with Clark Gracie, um, Joe Marrera, uh, Mike Tomaselli, Cub Swanson, all these, uh, Rafa Garcia, um, you know, all these, all these guys. But, you know, I would love to get a roll in with, uh, and I missed the opportunity. He was here a few months ago uh, doing a private with Professor Brandon, my partner. Um, Marcelo, and you know i would just love to get uh to feel if i can get anything done you know mm-hmm. because it just seems like his his prevention until his attacks is so good that you know a lot of us have to invite people in to and like give up something in order to get our attacks going it doesn't seem like he has to do that um I would love to get a roll in with Gordon, obviously, uh-huh. and uh, just see what happens because, you know, I don't think I'm bad and I would love to see, I would love to just see like, who's the best guy in the world right now in the Nogi. And I would love to uh-huh. see where I fall, you know, I'm sure I would get tapped, but it would be, uh, it would be inspirational for me to actually get an idea of where, how close I am to him. Um, right. And that being said, I would say the best in the world in uh, in the gi would still be Hodger, and I would love to get a get a roll in with Hodger, man. That guy, that guy seems to have an answer from everywhere. And, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's an incredible instructor. Uh, he has a really really great school in in the UK. Um, I would love to visit there one day, but yeah, I would say it'd be uh, Marcelo, Gordon, and Hodger. Uh, which kind of like rounds yeah that rounds out like that that uh top three maybe of all time in my opinion really yeah that's that's a very solid list man how about you who are you rolling with oh man you know it's like everyone says gordon ryan i i would love to roll with gordon ryan um ryan hall was another guy um 
and there was a it was like a, it was like a mix up between like you know Brandon Ortega. Um, I rolled with Brian Ortega actually. Really? Yeah, my buddy, oh, uh, my my friend who I started with. I told you we were rolling in the living room. Uh, Brian's uh-huh. a Hannah and Helon guy, so I, it might have been oh, wow. three weeks after I got my black belt. Um, Cub was actually getting set to fight uh, Brian Ortega. I think this would have been 2017, 2018, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember okay. exactly the year. It must have. It might have been a year or two after I got my black belt. But um, I went over there and got the chance to roll with uh, a bunch of their black belts. And then uh, at the end, uh, Hiron or no, it was Henner. Henner called me over and he was like, "Hey, uh, you're friends with John, right? Yeah. Why don't you get a roll in with Brian?" And uh, we were about the same weight. He guillotined me three times in a five minute roll and i got done and i was like okay well i guess i have something concrete to go back to cub with (laughs) i went back to i went back to cub uh cub's manager and i are really good or former manager he sadly passed away a few years ago commie seth dart uh he uh i went to commie and i said commie you tell him to watch out for that guillotine because it is nasty and what nasty what did cub end up getting caught with but I think that actually <laughs> that actually that moment uh that that occurrence actually pulled me into their camp a little bit more because they were like oh man this guy might not have been might not be too bad he kind of called that so you know I I just uh yeah Brian's really strong for his weight too really strong yeah yeah very man just smooth so smooth yes who else was it Nuts. Crazy. What was it? Um, yeah, obviously, you know, like Andre Galval, he's another guy. Um, you know, because he's he, for him to be such a, a big guy, he just moves so smooth. Yeah. And just very, very technical. I love those, I, I like I love those technical guys like that. I mean, there's a plethora of other people because like my list changes from time to time, but those would be my like my main, my main group of people I would love to roll with. And I always say, like, the people who I, you know, I've, I've met through the podcast, I would love to eventually roll with everybody, but. Well, actually, it'll probably happen between you and I, because we got the, the family Yeah, connection. I know, right? So I know, day, right? One day, if I'm ever in Michigan, I'll make sure I stop by uh, Professor Holston's school, or maybe your school one day. And uh, Yeah, man, I, I, would, I would love to have you, man. Love to, you know, be blessed on the mat with you, for sure, for sure, man. Yeah. My uh, my no. my partner, Professor Brandon, actually has showed me that the reason all these guys are so smooth and so quick, and and that their techniques seem so clean, is drilling. This guy drills a yeah. lot, and the things yeah. that he drills, he does very quickly, very smoothly, and very precisely. And knowing is not enough. Repetition is the key to doing something well. So yes, you know, drill, yes. drill, drill, and anything you drill, you are going to get better at. So yeah. yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. All right, Garrett, man. If there's anything else, man, you what? You got any questions for me? If you got anything else coming up for the school for yourself, man, by all means, man, the floor is all yours. Uh, well, you know, who are some dream guests for you to have on the podcast? I, I listened to several of your episodes. I actually listened to the to the last one that the gentleman. I'm sorry, I forget his name, but he moved from uh, Hawaii from Maui to uh i want to say idaho. indiana idaho idaho yeah uh joel yeah 
so that guy super entertaining podcast seems like a great guy uh seems yeah, he's like a, a real cool guy dedicated family man so i have a i have an eight-month-old son and uh you know listening to him talk about uh that negotiation with his kids to get to training i mm-hmm. it was really useful for me i really got entertained by that um but i wanted to say that although hawaii got really weird for a hot minute due to COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Their jujitsu community continued strong, uh, had a lot of underground training, a lot of people who didn't buy into the BS. And yeah. but, but the problem here is that uh, they associated people who uh, continued with regular life as not caring about what we call here the kapuna. The kapuna is what they call their elders. And mm, okay. uh, as we all know, they were actually pretty vulnerable to COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. due to the lack of vitamin D, I think. But um, the the association with continuing normal life and not caring about the elderly was something that still today, I still, people, I still see people driving in their car with their masks on. I still see people walking the neighborhood with their masks on. And yeah. it's something that's just gotten, it got in there deep, you know, and, and it's- uh, It's the new norm it's, now. It's a real shame you know it's 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 just a lack of education it's a lot it's just uh you know taking everything at face value and trusting your uh trusting the voices that tell you what what the truth is mm-hmm. instead of you doing a little bit of research yourself and i hope soon that the that joel can come back to hawaii or if he's having a lot of success there then you know that's a that's a great place to be idaho's beautiful yeah Definitely. Now, I'm oh, sorry, I, I know. No, what, what's up? Go ahead. Now, I was because we kind of went on tangent. I was trying to remember what your question, what your question exactly was. Uh oh, I was. Uh, oh, uh, who dream guest. Dream guest. Your dream guest, sir. Oh man. Um, I don't I think know. You have to look at it not in jujitsu ability. I think you have to look at it the ability to communicate jujitsu, and, yeah. and and their experiences. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, I just been having so much fun just talking to just anybody and everybody about jujitsu. Cause, uh, I think someone else asked me that question too. Like, man, you know, you're going to get somebody famous on there one day. I'm like, well, the people I talk to right now to me are famous because you know, they, we, we share this common goal of, you know, jujitsu. Um, you know, they have a passion for it just like I, I have a passion for it. So these are my superstars. You guys are my superstars. Cause you know, I've never met you guys and you, you know, you guys took time out of your busy day to talk to me. So I'd be excited. Like when my alarm goes off, when I got an interview, I'm like, yes, you know, this person responded back. And so, yeah, you, like I said, you guys, you guys are my, my superstars for sure. But if anybody, anybody wants to get on the show, I don't care big or small, man. I, I would love to sit down and talk to anybody. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really good that you do that. You know, I listened to a couple other episodes with uh, blue belts and, and you get that perspective of those guys who are still in that part of the journey where we actually spend mm-hmm. most of our time uh, early in, in our days of jujitsu, uh, where, you know, that perspective is so different than your, your perspective or my perspective on the art. And it's so important for me to be able to listen to somebody with that perspective so that I can kind of apply that to my students. You know, what this mm-hmm. person's struggles are, my, I probably have a student who's struggling with the same thing. Uh, you know, got a guy in, in the school who rolls really rough with them. And, you know, he doesn't really know exactly how to handle that. And 
you know, just be able to, cause I'm watching it. I'm like, Oh man, look at this guy get roughed up. But being <laughs> the guy getting roughed up is, has been us. And mm-hmm. even though it's not us now, you know, it's easy to, to lose that perspective of like, man, he's probably driving home without the radio on, you know, thinking about every tap. <laughs> so, so just being able to hear that again is, is so important. I think you're doing something really important for, for the instructors out there. And those, those of us who, who are still earlier in our journey to, to kind of hear the struggles of each other and, and grow and, and learn. Uh, I really commend you for starting this podcast, Lamar. I think you're doing a great job. Man, I, I, I appreciate that, man. Cause you know, it's, Cause everyone that that came on the show that's like lower than purple belt is like, well, I, I'm a I'm a blue belt or I'm a white belt. I have nothing to talk about. I'm like, you definitely have something to talk about. You might have the most so, to talk about. Yeah, you have the most to talk about because you're fresh into this. You know, it's it's a whole new world for you. But yeah, I've talked to a lot of white belts, a lot of blue belts, purple belts, black belts, and just all you know, just everything in between. Man, it's it's been a it's been a very fun experience for sure, and I'm. I, I do appreciate your words of kindness, man. Cause I, you know, sometimes I'd be like, man, what, what am I doing? Like, well, you're kind of doing market it, research, but... man. You're kind of doing market yeah. research. And if, if you look at this, you're talking to people of all ranks, all backgrounds, all locations across the country, you're learning what people are looking for, what their goals are in jujitsu. Is it self-defense? Is it uh, community? Is it physical health? Is it mental health? You know, all these things that you can learn and just ask people that, you know, even though this is an art and this is our passion, this is also a business. And so being able to uh, cater to each person and fulfill the need that they have, that they're trying to fill through jujitsu, it takes so much courage to walk into a jujitsu school. And where where you get that courage from is the problem you're trying to solve. How big is that? Uh, DVG, by the way, stands for David versus Goliath. And okay. all of us, all of us have a Goliath. And jujitsu mm-hmm. can help us become the David that's going to beat that Goliath. And it's just all about finding out what your customers or what your students Goliath is to help them become the David that can slay it. So, Amazing. you know, I think I think you're I think you're on a great path, man. I don't see a reason why you couldn't couldn't do anything in jujitsu from, from the path. Oh, yeah, man. I, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's just come with human nature, the doubts and worries, but yeah, man, I love every time I, I sit down and do an episode or I go back and edit or just re-listen to a man is I, I, I get that same happy feeling as if I'm, I'm there for the first time. So, well, you're doing great. There's, I, there's no dead space there. Anytime I had a moment where I ran out of something to say, you, jump right in with with a great question or a great conversation continuer and like you're a great interviewer there's no i mean you're doing awesome thank you man appreciate that yeah appreciate absolutely. that yeah yeah it seems like you prepare and like you've you've done enough of these where you know like oh yeah what <laughs> I talking about you know because we all love to talk right right but yeah man this is this has been a for because only only been doing this for not even a year. I think my first episode was back in like November and I just been grinding them out ever since, man. Yeah. But so. you can get a Taekwondo black belt in like two years. So it depends on, it depends on what you're grinding at, how long yeah. it takes to get to black belt level in that thing. You know, jujitsu is mm-hmm. a complex art. 
So it takes a lot longer, but don't think about everything as jujitsu. Uh, you got to think about it like, all right, how many it's things It's so hard to not to. I know. <laughs> it's like, so hard not I'm, to. I'm not even a blue belt at this thing yet. I'm not you even know? a blue belt at this shit. I was about to say that. I was like, I'm not even a blue belt at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's hard to not think about everything in terms of that 10 year journey or 12 year mm -hmm. journey. But, you know, some like think about it like Taekwondo. It takes only a couple of years to get a black belt in that. You only need to know like 10, 12 kicks. So maybe that's the way the podcast game is. You know, you just you don't need to know everything. Uh, you just need to be able to uh, do what you do really well. So, yeah. Sounds like that sounds like it. That's what it is, man. Funny. Don't discount oh, nah. nah. Like I said, man, I, I appreciate the words, man. It was it was definitely, definitely a pleasure talking to you, brother. Same here. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. And and I love getting the opportunity to talk to somebody who's just as passionate about jujitsu as I am. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely stay in touch, man. And uh that's the end of today's episode. I would love to thank Garrett one more time for coming and blessing us with his jujitsu knowledge. I hope you guys gained something from it. Uh, please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube page to stay up to date on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. And we're done, my brother.